With that in mind, it's time to look at the Word of God. We're kind of wrapping up a series here over the past, well, four out of the last five weeks. I've had the opportunity to share with you on this theme, and I've really focused on two key words. And those key words are, first of all, connect, and secondarily, serve. Connect and serve. Those are the two words that have come to mind again and again. And the reason that I had on my heart to share these messages at this time is I'm very, very aware of how many of the changes that we've experienced as a society, as a culture over the past year have made us in the church feel like we have been unable to connect and serve. It reminds me of that error message you you used to get more often on the dial-up modems. Anybody old enough to remember a dial-up modem? Error, unable to connect to server, right? And we see kind of a, a riff on that on the screens. Unable to connect to the server. We've been unable to connect and to serve. We've been unable to connect and serve. At least we've felt like we've been unable to connect and serve. But as I said, I I actually think that thought process is flawed. I, I think it's a little bit false. We haven't really been unable to connect and serve. We've just had to find some new ways to get through some new challenges. We've had to rediscover some new methods of connecting and serving. And one of the things that I know about HRCC, I've been your pastor now nine years. Can you believe nine years and this is all we've done? I've been your pastor nine years. And one thing I know about HRCC is this is a congregation that historically has been awesome at connecting and serving. It's something that you have done really, really, really well. So now is not the time to let connecting and serving fall by the wayside after a year of challenges, after a year of feeling like, well, we've been unable to do it the way we've always done it. Now is not the time to let it fall by the wayside. I want us to take this time to really purposefully and strategically rediscover and redevelop our commitment to staying connected and to serving one another well. And so that's why I've been saying what I've been saying over the past few weeks. We've read largely from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and identified that God designed us to connect and serve, that we were created with connection in mind. You remember, we're Legos. We're not fun to play with all by ourselves. We are designed to connect. In the body of Christ, we said each one of us has a part to play. Each one of us has a function. Each one of us has a unique purpose. We said last week, when we submit our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit's work in us is to develop a primal desire to connect and serve. Sometimes we don't recognize it. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult to understand what it is that we're yearning for, what it is we're longing for. But we looked at how the word says what you're looking for is a place in the body of Christ, a primal desire to connect and to serve. And so before we move on and and dive into some other topics and and the new sermons that I'm going to start preaching next week, there's one final issue to consider about this whole connect and serve thing. And in order to do that, we're going to go back to that text that I've used just about every week, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians living in the city of Corinth. He didn't number the chapters. He didn't number the verses. That's something that we did hundreds of years later to kind of catalog them. So for him, it was just partway through his letter. For us, though, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you will recall Paul is writing about how the church 
can be compared metaphorically to a human body. He's saying in a lot of ways, it's like your human fleshly body. We are one body made up of many different parts. And Paul says each part is unique in its purpose and its function, but every part has the same job. Its job is to use however it's made, whatever its function is, its job, its purpose, its role is to serve the entire body. And Paul says the parts have to remain connected in order to do their job. They have to remain connected. You can't have disembodied hands and feet off trying to do their own thing. In order to do their job, they have to remain connected. And he's saying you can think of the church that way, much the same way we think of the human body. Now, implicit in this metaphor is the idea that each part of the body is different from the other parts. And if you're like me, if you've been in churches for a while, if you've heard preachers preach and you've heard them preach on this topic, you've probably heard a ton of very well-meaning, very gifted preachers talk about this and say, do you see what God's word says? It says that each one of you is uniquely creatively designed. Each one of you is a true individual formed and shaped by God, just perfect for the job you have. Preachers say, each one of you is special. Each one of you is wonderful. Nobody else can do exactly what you do. And I believe that's true. That's absolutely true. But I also believe that's not the whole truth. And today I want to get to the whole truth. You see, the problem is, as I see it, that many of us look at those things that make us unique and we don't feel so wonderful about them. We recognize that we're different than everybody else, but it doesn't make us feel special. It doesn't make us feel good. It doesn't make us feel wonderful. We more often look at the things that make us different than everybody else and we feel different. We feel out of place. Some of us know what it is to look around at our brothers and sisters in the church, to look at the church and feel shame, feel regret. Sometimes we feel incapable. Sometimes we listen to what the pastor says about the life that we've been called to and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we don't resonate with that at all. We say, I don't look like these other people. I must be broken. And how could anybody who feels that way be eager to connect and serve? You see, I can stand up here week after week and say, connect, serve, connect, serve, connect, serve, connect, serve. But if I'm listening to the pastor saying that and I'm looking at my own body and I'm seeing my own brokenness and I'm thinking about myself and I'm thinking about the things that make me not seem like the other folks that are sitting around me, I'm thinking the last thing in the world I want to do is connect and expose to the body my own frailty and deal with my own brokenness. The last thing in the world I wanna do is connect and serve. No, it makes perfect sense. The far wiser course of action is to try and blend into the background, right? The far wiser course of action is just to hide or, or to avoid the connection altogether. And if you've ever felt like that, If anything that I've just said resonates even just a little bit, if you ever looked at the church 
and felt like in one way or another, I just don't measure up, well, then I want you to hear what Paul has to say about that. So I'm going to pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read beginning in verse 22. Paul's talking about the body, and listen to what he says about it. Those parts, it already got emotional for me. I'm going to take a little drink, and we're going to try this take two. Garrett, make sure to edit this out of the video before we post it to YouTube, okay? First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 22. Ahem. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Hey guys, I got this verse on the screen. Can you make sure and follow me? I want to read it again so that we can read together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 22. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Okay? Hey, we're off? So just back up to the title screen for me, okay? Thanks. Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The ones that are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Paul is addressing the elephant in the room. He's saying we're all a little different. And different might mean special, right? Like different might mean special, but sometimes different doesn't feel special. It feels more like weird. It feels more like peculiar. How many people remember the 1964 Christmas classic, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Do we remember stop-motion animation, right? And where does Rudolph go? He goes to the island of the misfit toys. Do you remember the island of the misfit toys? Where all the broken toys go that aren't good enough to get into the Christmas stockings for the boys and girls, right? And they're all there, and they're all different. They're all a little weird. They don't work quite right. They aren't like the other toys. The island of the misfit toys. You ever look around at church and feel like, actually, this is the island of the misfit toys. <laughs> Nobody say amen out loud. Nobody put their hands up. But I've talked to enough Christians throughout the years. I've talked to enough churchgoers that I know most of us have had that experience in church one time or another. This is the island of the misfit toys. We're looking for Yukon Cornelius to come around the, the corner at some point. This is the real truth about the body of Christ. And this is what Paul is willing to address. We are made up of many different parts, yes? And because we're made up of many different parts, some parts might seem weaker, less honorable, or unpresentable. I want to say that again. Some parts might seem weaker, less honorable, or unpresentable. Those are all Paul's words. I'm not picking on anybody today. This isn't me saying y'all are a bunch of weirdos. You got it? I'm just reading scripture. 
The Bible says that in the body of Christ, some parts might seem weaker, less honorable, or unpresentable. Is anybody encouraged yet today? (laughs) Paul is acknowledging that life in the body of Christ can be difficult. It can be messy when not every part is the same. How many of us know that some parts of the body are just a little bit messier than the other parts? Not every part works the same. Now here's where to me this gets interesting. Historians tell us with pretty strong confidence that Paul wrote this letter to the city of Corinth at a time when he was actually living in the city of Ephesus. He was living in Ephesus. You might recognize it as the church associated with the letter Ephesians, which appears in our Bible. Paul spent about two or three years living and working in the church in Ephesus. And at some point while he was there, he's actually sitting down and writing this letter to another church that he had previously visited. At some point while Paul is in Ephesus, he's writing to them about how life in the body can be a little bit messy because we're not all the same. We're different and we got all sorts of different characters and some of us look this way and some of us look that way, okay? Now you can read about Paul's experience in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Let me give you the highlights. The Bible says that Paul and his his colleagues were traveling through Ephesus when they met some folks who were trying to follow the teachings of Jesus. And Paul being Paul was like, oh my goodness, that's so cool. You guys are following Jesus. And he struck up a conversation with these guys and just started asking them questions about their experiences. And he asked them about their relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. And these guys said, "Um, we actually, we didn't, well, we didn't know that there was a Holy Spirit. And Paul says, oh my goodness. And he turns to his colleagues and he says, brothers, we've got some work to do here. That's how the church in Ephesus got started. Can you imagine that as, as their credo on the sign out front? Welcome to First Church of Ephesus. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, right? That's their credo. That's how this church gets started. And so Paul starts taking these believers. He explains the baptism of the Holy Spirit to them. They are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Revival comes. They start having church as was Paul's habit in the synagogue. They would gather with the, Jew, with the Jews in the synagogue and read the ancient scriptures. And then those of them that had determined that Jesus was the fulfillment of those scriptures would kind of stay after and worship Jesus. And, and so now there's Jews coming to faith in Christ, right? But that only lasted a couple of months before they got kicked out of the synagogue. And now they need a place to meet. So they're looking through Ephesus, which is a major metropolis, for another place to meet, and they find a space that they can rent in a Greek school. And so now this new congregation of believers are meeting in a Greek school. And so now Greeks, Gentiles are coming to faith. So now we've got a church and it's like the Jews are over here and the people who didn't know what the Holy Spirit are are over here and the Gentiles are over here and this is, this is the church. And then a bunch of demoniacs get delivered from their demoniac uh, uh, oppression. And so it's like, well, we got to make space for the demoniacs now. So we got the Jews and we got the Greeks and we've got the demoniacs over here. Would all the demoniacs please stand up? And then there was this huge uh, society of, of witchcraft, of the occult was huge in Ephesus. And before long, word is getting out. And so we have practicing witches coming to faith in Christ. And at one point it says they begin taking the ancient scrolls of their satanic libraries and burning them in the streets. 
And some of the public that saw it happened estimated that they burned hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of satanic material in the streets because they were coming to Jesus. And the next Sunday at church, Paul's like, okay, we need the Jews, we got the Gentiles, demoniacs over here, and former sorcerers, would you please file forward? This is the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus, the city of Ephesus rather, had a really active silver trade. And the, the bread and butter of the silver trade was making silver idols for pagans. But the problem is revival is sweeping across Ephesus and nobody's buying silver anymore. And so the economy of Ephesus is tanking because so many people are coming to faith in Christ. And so pretty soon there's rioting on Main Street. Can you imagine that in Downers Grove? Like there's so many people worshiping at HRCC that nobody's going to every day is a Sunday anymore, right? Like there's rioting on Main Street because businesses are failing because nobody wants to buy their idols anymore. And there's all of this hubbub and, and the local government is trying to figure out what's going on and they finally single out Paul and the leaders of this church and they're like, we, we don't even know who you are. Like, who are you guys? And Paul's like, well, we got some Jews. We got some Greeks. We got some former demoniacs. We got a bunch of sorcerers. We got some people who used to be witches. That's my church. That's Paul. That's my church. And it's from that background that he writes to Corinth and he says, oh, by the way, here's what life looks like in the body of Christ. We don't all look the same. Some of us look like we belong, but some of us really don't. <laughs> some of us come from families that have worshiped Yahweh for generation after generation after generation. Some of us were worshiping Satan last Tuesday, right? He says, some of us are really well-schooled in the ancient scriptures. Some of us have been to synagogue our whole life and we know the word really, really well. Others of us didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. We come from all over the place and we don't all look alike, but that's my church. That's my church. And so there's this idea that some parts look a little different and we may seem different, but we're all part of the same body. And that's my church. And the thing about being that different is that it's gonna show up. You can't be that different from one another and people not notice. In other words, this is what Paul says, some parts get treated differently. They really do. Even in the body of Christ, some parts get treated differently. Each part of the body requires a different kind of care. We don't take care of every part of our body the same way. You don't take care of your elbows the same way that you take care of your toenails because different parts require different kind of care. Here's the way Paul puts it. He says, some parts are weaker, but when we recognize that one part is weaker, we work extra hard to make sure that they stay protected. A lot of people think he's thinking about internal organs when he says that. You know, you can't just have your lungs and your liver hanging out. You know, they can't put up with the same kind of beating that your skin takes every day. And so your body is designed to give extra protection. You got a rib cage around your internal organs, right? You got a muscle wall around your internal organs. You got skin that covers it and protects it. Yeah, some parts are weaker, but we take extra care to make sure that those parts get the safety and the protection they need. 
He says some parts don't seem as honorable. And we think what he means by that is some parts are pretty generic. They look the same on on most every body. There's nothing special about them. They aren't particularly attractive. You know, I never once have heard anybody compliment another person on their really, really attractive elbows. There's probably a group of guys out there somewhere for whom elbows is a thing, but I haven't met them yet, right? Paul's saying there's parts of the body that aren't particularly unique. He's always, but even with those, we work hard to keep them clean. We keep them healthy and we, we cover them and adorn them with the best clothes or accessories. Paul says, and then there's the private parts. He says some parts of the body just don't get shown off very often. They aren't suitable for public viewing. He goes, but actually, we don't ignore those parts. Those parts get taken care of more carefully than any other part of the body. The point is this. Different parts of the body do get treated differently. But each part gets exactly what it needs. Do you hear that as you find your part, as you find your place, rather, in the body of Christ? Each part gets exactly what it needs. Do you need some protection? Well, you can find your place in the body and you'll see that you have it. Do you need a little extra honor today? Find your place in the body and you'll see that God has got that exactly in mind. Do you need tender care? Maybe a little different than what somebody else needs. That's okay. Find your place in the body. God has that in mind. Whatever you need, the body was designed to provide it for you once you take your place. I want you to imagine a liver, a walking, talking liver that could get around all by itself. Can you picture a liver going around, looking at human bodies, trying to find a place to belong? And this liver looks at all the people that it sees and it says, well, I could never be a part of that. I could never be a part of a body like that. I'm not as beautiful as the face. I'm not as strong as the shoulders. I'm not as skilled as the hands and I'm not as swift as the feet. I need more than what any of them need. I need more covering than they do. I need more protection than they need. I need more warmth than they require. I need a very specific nutrient balance that I just don't see there. I must not belong. That's what a liver would think. Meanwhile, I had to look this up. 14,000 Americans are waiting for a liver transplant today. The body needs liver. The body needs liver. And the body needs you. And it was also the only place that you were actually made where you can survive. So yes, some parts seem different. And yes, some parts get treated differently. But each part is strengthened by all the others through its connection. Each part is strengthened by all the others through its connection. Historians tell us that there was a a well-known fable at the time that Paul was writing this letter. And according to this fable, all the various parts of the body got together one day and they decided to kick out the stomach. None of them liked the stomach. And the reason they didn't like the stomach is because all they ever heard the stomach say was feed me, feed me, feed me. And they said, the stomach is a drain on our resources. No matter what the rest of us do, the only thing the stomach can say is, feed me, feed me, feed me. 
The stomach is needy, the stomach is weak, and the stomach is taking from the rest of us. And so the parts of the body got together and held a council and they decided we are going to get rid of the stomach. We don't like it anymore. And so they did. And it was only when they got rid of it that they realized that all those years the stomach had been saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. It was taking the food and the nutrient and returning it to each one of them. And they starved to death because the weaker brother, they thought they didn't need anymore. The one with less honor, they thought, was a drain on the rest of them. And they didn't realize that it was the connection that was feeding each one of them. Each part is strengthened by all the others through the connection. The parts of the body that we see around us, look real quick to your left and your right, but don't let anybody know you're doing it. (laughs) The parts of the body that we see around us might not look familiar. Their function or their purpose may not be immediately obvious. And in some, in some instances, they might even be a little off-putting. I mean, not here at HRCC, of course, right? I'm talking about other churches. Hey, this wasn't in my notes, but can I just tell you a quick story? When I worked at another congregation, Pastor West was your pastor here. He and I would connect every once in a while, and he would tell me, oh, Dan, we had this ridiculous situation come up in church last week. He would get frustrated by something that somebody did or said. Nobody that's still here. All these people, I'm sure, have moved on. (laughs) And Pastor West would share this story with me. And pastor to pastor, he would just feel better if I would tell him some stories of some of the weird happenings in my church. Oh, that happens in your place too? Yeah. Yeah, Pastor Joe, it does. Okay. I feel better. That's life in the body of Christ, isn't it? It gets messy sometimes. It gets dirty. It gets a little bit difficult. That's how it works. We look around at the other parts of the body around us, and sometimes we feel like we don't measure up to what we see. Oh, look at sister so-and-so there, so anointed, so passionate, so gifted. Oh, look at brother so-and-so, divinely anointed for that task. They know so much about scripture. They always have exactly the right word to say. That's a part of the body to be proud of. We look and we think, I don't measure up to that because I know how broken I am. Or maybe we do the opposite. Maybe we look around and we think, some of our fellow body parts are holding us back a little. (laughs) Wouldn't we be a little bit more efficient if we could do without Mr. Stomach over there? Or kick the lungs out? Or just get rid of some of those disgusting toenails that never seem to grow quite the right way? Wouldn't we be better off without them? In both cases, we're wrong. There is an unexpected blessing that awaits us when we connect and when we serve. The great surprise of the church is that it has everything my soul needs to survive. I want you to hear me say that again. The great surprise of the church, of life in the body of Christ is that it has everything that my soul needs to survive. This week, Jenna came by to to meet with me and we were going over some music in my office. We were listening to some some worship music as we discussed some of the plans for service today and a a popular worship song came on. It's it's one that we don't 
sing here on Sunday mornings, but uh, we were listening to it together. And uh, I said to Jenna, oh, I don't like this song. I don't like this song. And she said, well, why not? And so I told her, and now I'm going to tell you. The song, this particular song, no, I'm not going to name it. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but it's a song about the power and the presence of God, and I'm all for that, right? It's a song about cultivating a really deep desire for our relationship with Jesus. We're good. I am all for that. It's a song about acknowledging that nothing else can or should take the place of Jesus in our relationship with him in our lives. Preeminent of most important, right? I am all for that. But in the middle of this song, there's this one line. And the line says, I'm not here for blessing. And I said to Jenna, I hate that line. I'm not here for blessing. I hate that line. Now, to be fair, the writer of the song probably wrote that line with this in mind, that sometimes religious people ignore their relationship with Jesus and just kind of go through the motions in order to see what they can get out of it. That is definitely a thing. It's a phenomenon that we see. And I'm going to give the writer of the song the benefit of the doubt and assume that that's probably what he had in mind. And he's saying, I don't want to be that kind of hollow, hypocritical, religious person. I'm not here just to see what I can get out of it. That's probably what he meant. But that's not what he said. (laughs) He said, I'm not here for blessing. Church, can I just be honest with you for a minute? I am so here for the blessing. (laughs) That's why I'm here. Okay, I love you. I love y'all. I love my church. But I'm here for the blessing. I'm here for the blessing. I'm not here because I think the preacher's any good. I'm not here because the seats are comfy. I'm not here because it's kind of a fun way to spend Sunday mornings when I'm wondering how long it is until bears kick off. Okay? I'm here for the blessing. Can we just be clear? I am here for the blessing. I am here because this is the place. And what I mean by that is you are the people, you are the body where God is establishing my salvation and making it secure. That's why I'm here. Yeah, I'm using y'all. I'm using every one of you because you are the source of my blessing. You're part of my body. You're my toenails, okay? Right? I'm here for you. I'm here for you. That's why I'm here. We need to get rid of this heresy that says we Christians are just trying to learn to be better people. We're just trying to follow the the teachings of Jesus because he was a pretty good dude after all. And and we want to be kinder, gentler people in the world around. No, no, that's a heresy. Y'all can do that from home. I'm going to church. You can do that from home. I don't need that. I'm going to church. No connection needed to learn a few good things from the the teachings of Jesus, right? No connection needed. No servanthood needed if you just kind of want to be a kinder, gentler people. Not necessary. Do that at home. Let the rest of us go to church. Because I'm here for the blessing. I'm here for the blessing. 
I'm going to be running as fast as I can for the body of Christ. I want to find my spot. I want to play my part because there are unexpected blessings there. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm here because if I wasn't here, Jesus saved me. Do you understand that? Like I was destined for hell. I'm here for the blessing. Right? I was sick and I was broken, but Jesus healed me. I'm here for the blessing. I was lost, but now I'm found. I'm here for the blessing. That's why I'm here. And you know what? I think the Bible agrees with me. The book of Genesis tells a story about Jacob having this, this weird, wacky dream one night. And then he realizes, I don't think it's a dream so much. He's wrestling with this divine messenger. And the Bible's not even entirely clear. Is it an angel? like a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. We're not sure. But it's definitely somebody from God. And Jacob wrestles with him all night long until Jacob dislocates his hip and writhing in pain. Jacob's laying on the ground just with only his arms and his upper body left, hanging on to this divine, divine messenger. And what does he say to him? He says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm here for the blessing. I'm here for the blessing. Or how about Psalm number 103? How about Psalm 103? The psalmist says to us, Oh, praise the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Can we just insert the word blessing in there? Right? For benefits? I think we could. Let's not get too hung up on the Hebrew this morning. Let's just say, praise the Lord, oh my soul, and I ain't going to forget about any one of the blessings. I'm here for the blessings today. Are you here for the blessings today? He says, he's the one who forgives my sin. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. It says, he's the one who heals all my diseases. Amen? I'm here for that. He says, he's the one who redeems your life from the pit. I'm here for that. He's the one who crowns you with love and compassion. I'm here for that. He's the one who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Senior citizens only. Can you say it? All right. I'm here for the blessing. I'm so here for the blessing. So, John, we ain't going to sing that song anytime soon. <sighs> There's blessings in the body of Christ. You can read your Bible by yourself. You can sing a worship song by yourself. And I'm not suggesting that those things are of no value. They're of tremendous value. But it's not all there is. I'm running to the body of Christ. I want to find my spot. I want to play my part. I want to fulfill that primal desire that God made me with. You say, well, Dan, the next sermon should be about why he did that. There's a reason I'm stopping the series today. I don't know why he did it. But he did it. He did it. I want to find my spot. And here's where sin gets in the way. Too often, I look at myself and I say, I don't fit. I don't belong. I don't measure up. So I best keep my distance before anybody finds out. I don't want anybody to think I'm a fraud. I don't want anybody to think I'm a poser. I sure don't want you all 
I think I'm a hypocrite. So I better keep my distance. Because it's safe back here. Today, the Spirit of God is speaking to me. And I believe he's speaking to you as well. He's saying, come find your spot. Look at us. This is what we do. This is who we are. We got a little bit of everybody. We got some real wackos over in this corner back here. We got some crazies over there. We got some dirty folk back there. We got a little bit of everybody. That's my church. That's my church. That's my church. So stop hiding. Stop hiding, he says. Come on and find your spot. Come on and find your connection. I'm going to ask Jenna to come back up here. She is going to sing for us today. We're going to move to communion here in just a moment. The Bible says that as we go to communion, one of the things that we need to do is we need to stop and we need to examine ourselves. Now, we try and do that in different ways every time that we celebrate communion together. But today is a day when I want to give you more than just a minute, more than just a second or two. I want to give us the length of this song that Jenna's going to sing for us. And I want you to just, in silence, receive the words that she's going to sing. You might want to close your eyes. You might want to pray. I want you to acknowledge what God is saying to you. I want you to see yourself. I want you to see your brokenness. I want you to think about, and this is going to hurt. I want you to think about the ways in which you feel like you don't measure up or you don't fit or you don't match. Maybe it's the other way. Maybe you've got a brother or sister that has been difficult for you. I want you to bring that before the Lord in this time. And when the song's over, we're going to be invited to a table with our Lord. Who says, come on, there's a seat for you. It's time to connect. The song says, we're going to come to the Father. I want to read these words to you. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. There's no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I'll run into the Father again and again and again. Mm-hmm.